What more can one say? This is game seven. Oh god, this meeting is being recorded. Oh, do I consent? Oh, it asked me for consent of being recorded now. Oh wow, okay. Okay. I consent. Wow, all right. I don't know if that's going to be in the podcast or not, but... It probably will be, yeah. This is all being recorded now. Okay, well, whatever. Hello everyone and welcome back uh, to the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, we're your hosts. My name is Keegan. I'm here with my brother Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. (sighs) Yeah. Hi everybody. Well, wello in it. I hope you're dying. Fuck, man. It's <laughs> it's All fucking right. brutal. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, so, let's get into it. All right. Before we do, uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Little Hockey Pod. Rate and review us, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you to Blue Wire Hustle Network of Podcasts. We always appreciate the support and the advice they give us. All right. We're not going to talk. Let's not do a betting update. Let's not talk about the Sens. The, the only thing I really have to say about the Sens is we signed Victor Lodin. Cool. We'll see how that goes. And the draft lottery is tonight. So if there's any kind of news of Ottawa is getting moved up, we'll talk about it. But because we weren't able to do a podcast last week, I think it's only fitting that we just focused on the series that was for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. So, Jordan, we are going to start at the beginning mm-hmm. because uh, we have not recorded our thoughts about any of these games. So we are going to go from game one through to game seven, talk about it all, and I'm going to laugh in your misery. Oh, fuck, man. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So <clears throat> first things first, I just want to say that game one was – a roller coaster of emotions. Well, yeah, like the. I don't remember much from the first ten minutes of the game. No. Um. Like that that Tavares injury was horrifying to see. Yeah. Um. Like as soon as I saw him try to sit up. And then he slouched back like he was losing consciousness. I was like, yeah, this guy's never going to play again. Next time we see him, he's going to be in a, like a wheelchair or something. I thought for sure that was like a, I, I thought that it, it was closer to a career ending injury than it was um, that he'd be like back on the ice again in a week. And you definitely weren't the only one who thought that. Oh no. Like that, that was the prevailing thought, but like it, it, just goes to show like it's just a reminder to everybody at home watching that like professional athletes are essentially superhuman <laughs> they I, are like I, I, different no they literally are I, if if you or i took that exact same contact 
at that speed from that player at like on that part of the ice wearing all of the same equipment, you or I would probably be in a wheelchair. Yeah. But because it was a professional athlete who like they, their muscles are built up and they're stronger than ours, especially around like their neck and their head like that, that probably saved his career. All of his, uh, I don't know, shoulder shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, in the, in the years in the, that I've been watching hockey, um, I have never seen a live injury that affected me as much as that John Tavares one. I didn't even, I don't, did I, I can't even remember if I watched the rest of the game. I think I had, I, when he got off the ice, I remember walking away. I know I didn't watch the rest of the period. And I think I didn't watch the first half of the second period either. Cause I was just like, I don't want to watch hockey right now. Yeah. And you know what? Like it was, I don't remember uh, very much from that entire game. I remember the Paul Byron goal because it was very, very nice. It was an incredible display of skill that picture um, that was taken of it as well it was yeah. amazing like it, it was a good goal um that game was i don't even think it was very evenly split i think for the most part the leafs were still controlling that game after that point it just it was just like it didn't feel like it because it was hard to get excited about literally anything in it just because of how low that injury brought the mood like the whole, the whole time that night, it was just like, oh my God, like it doesn't even matter if we win tonight. It's, I just hope John Tavares can like walk after this. He can lift up his kid and stuff. That's what you were hoping for. But um, yeah, so the game one was kind of a wash. Um, what did you think of the Felino Perry fight? Um. I don't know. Like when it happened, I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't feel great about this, but I understand. Okay. I, I don't think it's fair to criticize Nick Felino for it because it is a hockey culture issue. Yeah. It's the if, idea if you of... want to say that fight shouldn't happen, then you shouldn't be targeting your criticism necessarily, like uh, not all of it anyways, at Nick Foligno. It should be at the broader idea of, um, like there's so much um, retribution and revenge that factor into the physicality of hockey, right? Every sure. time you see a big clean hit, there's a fight immediately after. Like so, which... so like it, it is absolutely stupid. Yeah, okay, absolutely. But if it's going to happen after a clean hit, it's going to happen after an accident too. Fair. And Felino's reasoning was basically just John Tavares is our captain. I have to do something. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, like, I, I texted you about it and I said like, you know what, in beer league, if somebody injures one of like our best player or our captain, you've got everybody on the, on your team or on your bench just vibrating with rage like we've got to fucking do something here yeah be so an accident or not it's it, you give Corey perry an opportunity to defend himself in a fight where it's both are willing combatants and you square up and you get an opportunity to defend and attack as opposed to like running him from behind into the boards and putting him on his own stretcher Right? It kind of settles things then and there. Yeah, it's it's absolutely like, okay, 
We've dealt with it, so we don't have to worry about trying to chase Corey Perry around all night seeking retribution for this accidental knee to the head. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I think would be fair to criticize Felino for is that he probably picked the wrong player. He should have beaten up Ben, ben Sherratt. Um, now, I don't think that that, that the Sherratt hit was as egregious as a lot of people were trying to make it out to be. But I still think it was a pretty reckless play from him. He barely made it. He like he didn't make any body contact. It was all his knee on Tavares's legs. Yeah. Um, he was trying to get a piece of him. Yeah. He and he missed. He missed with the body and he stuck his leg out and that's what took Tavares down and then he got kneed in the face. Um, but also that same play happens a hundred times every game and nobody's ever gotten that. Like that's never happened before. So it's. It's an unfortunate set of circumstances that leads to a terrible situation right off the hop in a very important series in the Leafs' best opportunity to win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime so far. I mean, but after game one, it sure seemed like they were going to be that dominant team. And they were. Like, game two, three, and four, the Leafs, like, fucking buried the Canadians. It wasn't yes. close in any of those games. Even the, uh, what was it, game three, where it was 2-1 for the Leafs? That game wasn't close. Carey Price stood on his head for it and saved Montreal's asses. Um, I, they, and the other two games, yeah, the Leafs won by four goals each. Like, game two, what, that was the 5-1 game. Like, honestly... I don't remember it. I don't remember specific plays from any of these games apart from like a every so often I might remember one, but the, the one play that is stuck in my head is that Tavares injury. And for the most part, the rest of the series is just like general trends and things. Yeah. Like I, I just don't have the capacity to remember specific plays. My, my hard drive in my brain is too full. So I watched game one. I watched it with um, Corey and dad. Um, I did not watch games two, three, or four. So and it's your I, fault that they lost. And then I watched <laughs> game, the end of games five and six. Yeah. The third period in overtime is the game five and six. And then I did not watch game seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, games two, three, and four were an absolute clinic by the Leafs. Um, Montreal I heard was, game four was considered Toronto's most complete and dominant playoff victory. Absolutely. Of this, there, of this iteration of the Leafs. That was probably their best game of the entire season. They, the like Montreal was just not in it from the start. And I have, I don't know how they just seem to flip the switch between games uh, f- uh, five and six or four and five, four and five, four and five. So game four was obviously Montreal up three, nothing Toronto storming back Jake Muzzin getting two goals. Uh, and then Galchenyuk with that turnover in overtime. That was brutal. Um, I do remember that. That, yeah, that leads to a two on zero like that. That kind of thing, like holy yeah. shit, man. That's the kind of thing that gets you to not have a job with that team next season. But he had he had three points that game. Yeah, like he had a very strong game. Oh I, no, I th- sorry, I, sorry. He had three points the game before. He, he assisted he, on he Jake did. Muzzin's tying goal. Yeah, like uh, overall, Galchenyuk, I don't think had a bad series once he got in the lineup. Um, 
I think for most teams or for many teams, I'll, I'll say that play would make him a free agent at the end of the season. That, that one single play, I think the Leafs are smarter than that. They recognize that like, you know, players make mistakes. It, it sucks that his was that gigantic in overtime that led to a two on O. Um, but we can coach him and help him to make better decisions in situations like that. You know who they said that about? Jake Gardner. Jake Gardner, like for as much as Leafs fans got on him, he was he wasn't a bad defenseman. He, I, I guess, he didn't really get over his like making the huge mistake thing. He didn't make many mistakes, but he made it count when he did. He also did kind of make a lot of mistakes. He, <laughs> <laughs> he he also just had a lot of like boneheaded "what the fuck are you doing" plays, <laughs> like the one that sticks out for me, and I know for Steve Dangle as well as the one where it was like a, I don't even know who they were playing against, but there was a dump in into the Toronto zone from the Toronto blue line, uh, and it was like sixteen feet over Jake Gardner's head, and he swings his stick like up to the rafters to try to knock it down. What the fuck yeah. are you doing, man? But anyways, even if you hit it, Jake. no one can do anything with it. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're not talking about Jake Gardner. We're talking about Alex Galchenyuk, but um, yeah, it was just, there was decision-making issues in key moments. And those, those types of things as disappointing as they are to see are coachable. You can fix those things. Sure. So um, coming the th- out the of- things that are harder to fix are like the red mist type of things. I saw somebody, I think it was the, the guy that runs uh, bar down for TSN said that the Leafs need to find a way to get Tom Wilson. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We had Tom Wilson and we traded him to Colorado because he got suspended all- in the playoffs every year. Like Christ. No. The, <laughs> and, the, um... and also like, Tom Wilson didn't help the Capitals get out of the first round. So, nope. Yeah, Christ. The one I've been seeing is Marner for Matthew Kachuk. No, it would have to be Matthew Kachuk and, yes. and, and, yes. and, 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 yes, and, it, and, it and, would be. and, but that's the one I've been seeing is trade Marner for Matthew Kachuk. No, anyone who is seriously saying Mitch Marner needs to go for a fucking walk, they, they're, they need to take like, I was, I don't know if I mentioned it, but on the show, but before we started recording, I was saying that I moved Twitter off of my homepage on my phone. So I've barely looked at it the last two days. Anyone who is suggesting that the Leafs seriously trade Mitch Marner needs to move Twitter off of their phone's homepage. Um, you, you're Mitch, not thinking straight. As soon as you trade Mitch Marner, you don't have Mitch Marner anymore. He's, yeah, he's very valuable. The, you don't have him in the postseason anyway. Mitch Miner doesn't have a postseason goal in 17 straight playoff games. Yeah, but you know what? That will change. Will it? Yeah, I, I'm confident it will. I am incredibly frustrated with him because he was like he was less than a non-factor in the in this series. Yes. It, like it's it's one thing to have zero impact, but he had a negative impact on the team. What well, the his fu- line never fuck? got scored on. Yeah, and, and they the got line may goals. not have gotten scored on, but they didn't do anything. They they again they may have scored two goals, but in the regular season they scored about a third of the Leafs' goals. 
Yeah, I just think it was like hit, 61 or something. 61 out of like 183 or 187 goals. Yeah. Between him and Matthews over the yeah. regular season. And they scored a combined one goal in the in the playoffs. Um yeah, like I, I was thinking if we if we wanted to assign percentages of blame to everybody, like I think the the players take the like vast majority of the blame. Um, like let's say 67% of the blame falls on the players. Just cause. Just fucking cause. Mm. Um, toss in another 10% split between Matthews and Marner. Specifically? Specifically. Um, they... They were one of the most dominant lines in the NHL this year, and they got shut down by fucking Matthew, Philip, uh, Philip Deneau. And uh, Shea Weber, and who else? Like Ben Chirot. Ben Chirot, John Merrill. Christ, these are uh, no-name brand players here. It's not Patrice hey, Bergeron. Shea Weber. Yeah, but the, it's 300-year-old Shea Weber. Carey Price as well as your goalie. Carey Price did most of the shutting down. Remember when I asked you if you'd be scared of playoff Carey Price? I I don't know, man. And in game seven, I was thinking like, shit, you know what? We should just bring Carey Price back for the playoffs for Team Canada next year. If this is going to be the performance he, he can pull out in these kinds of things, like I don't think he's the best goalie in the league in an 82-game season, but I'm starting to buy the idea that even still he is – he, he, should, he should be at the top of the list for anybody when you're talking about winning a important game. You know what he has? A killer instinct. Oh, man. But yeah, like if, if we were to say 67% of the blame falls on the players, excluding William Nylander and Jason Spezza. They Those were, guys were great. William Nylander was unstoppable. Montreal had no, no answer for him. So... Like William Nylander was doing that on his own. Imagine if he had John Tavares with him helping him out. It's going to be real great this offseason when you trade William Nylander for Seth Jones. No, like I, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like You don't like that one, do you? No. Don't trade William Nylander for anybody. But Seth Jones, like I've been seeing so much talk that Seth Jones is like Overrated. one of the, or was one of the worst defensemen in the league this past season. Yeah, he went from being an, oh my God, this guy's a Norris caliber defenseman to... And I think all of that talk was based entirely on five games against Toronto in the bubble. Oh no, that was from a couple years ago. Well, last last offseason, it really ramped up. They were like, oh Jesus, Seth Jones going to be like a $10 million defenseman. Is he going to win Norris trophies? And so many people I saw were like, Seth Jones isn't even a top four defenseman on the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, so as an outsider looking in, um, I genuinely thought that Toronto was going to win, especially after game four, when they took the 3-1 series lead. They, How did you feel coming out of game five? So that was their, the first coming out, coming out of game five. I still thought that we were going to win going into game seven. I thought we were going to win. Like I was like, they're absolutely going to lose, but also they're going to win. 
<laughs> it, it, I'm going to get both of these things happen. But uh, did you expect them to win, or did you hope they would win? Uh, I did. I expected them to win. Okay. I I had so much optimism this off season because I was just like, there are too many things that are lining up in their favor for them to fuck this up again. Um, and then they did. And then they did. Yeah. Then they did. And it's, I, I think I texted you or I, I texted uh, Ryan, one of the guys I went to college with and said like, this is the most disappointed I have ever been in my life. <laughs> Yeah, you sent that to me, and I posted it on our on our Instagram. Yeah, I also said that I, that I I am the Joker now, and I am pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you were in uh, quite, like, a, I, quite a headspace. It was it was a weird place, man. <laughs> like, and you know what? I had an awful sleep that night. I woke up at like two thirty, or, or no, I woke up at like one thirty and didn't fall back asleep until almost five from like anxiety and stress, not just from the Leafs game, but like other stuff too. Um, and it, it was just like, holy shit. Like, and I, I, I said, um, like what, what day was game seven again? Was that Sunday or was that uh, Monday? Monday? Sorry. I don't even know how many days. No game. I remember cause I went to a pickleball at the community center and that's Mondays and Thursdays. Oh, playing with all the olds, huh? Well, and, um, um a guy you went to high school with oh, sure. and some of my buddies a couple of my buddies were there as well um but uh yeah like i i tweaked a muscle in my back on my morning run like i, I wasn't doing anything i was just like slowly running down the street and i was like oh fuck my back that's how tense i was <laughs> that's, that's actually that sucks but that's really funny <laughs> yeah it's like it and yeah it was I, I expected this year to be the year that at the very least they got out of the first round. That my expectation was win a playoff round. My hope was final four cup final. Like this team was good enough to get that far. And it's utterly insane to me that they couldn't get past like the dog shit Montreal Canadiens. The one thing that I found interesting was everybody saying that this Leafs team wasn't built to win in the playoffs. All of the people that are saying that are doing a 180 on what they said like two months ago about the Leafs absolutely being ready for the playoffs. That's what I thought. I was like, well, everyone was congratulating the Leafs on getting guys like Simmons and Foligno and Bogosian. Any, any, yeah. People that are saying that this team wasn't built for the playoffs are ignoring all of the things that Kyle Dubas did this year that are different from what he's done in the past. Um, like I, I would, like I said, I, I'd assign 67% of the blame on all of the players, except for Jason Spezza and William Melander. an additional 10% split up between Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Um, so what do we add? 77% of the blame. Left. So I'd say 10% of the blame. Ah, no, not even that. 5% would go to Kyle Dubas just for the fact that they didn't acquire Taylor Hall at the deadline. That like they chose Nick Felino over him, which I didn't like, I didn't hate the trade. I still don't. I still think, like, I can see why they did it and why they thought it was the better move. Um, it's just, with the benefit of hindsight, 
part of the Leafs' issue in the last three games of this of that series were goal scoring. And um, like I, I'm gonna look up Taylor Hall's uh, playoff scoring here because I I know he's got at least one goal, but I haven't heard a ton about him like uh, ripping it ripping up in it the up. in the uh, playoffs here. Yeah, I don't know how well Boston, uh, how well he did against Washington there. Well, it was a pretty short series, so it he either that, did... Was that uh, five games or was that was, a sweep? No, that was five games. There was only one sweep. Mm. Fucking Winnipeg. Oh, shit. No, there were two sweeps. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado swept St. Louis? Yeah, and it wasn't fucking close. They won every game by at least three goals. Jesus. Yeah. Whereas that Winnipeg-Edmonton series... As far as sweeps go, that was an incredibly close series. <laughs> and I, 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 oh. I think, I think at even strength or in uh, regulation time, um, Winnipeg had a plus one goal differential. Oh wow! Yeah. Did you see the crazy stat that this is the first time in the cap era that a team with a player that has a double-digit AAV has made it past the first round. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Montreal with Carey Price. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay, so uh, Taylor Hall has played seven games in the playoffs, and he has four points. Three goals, one assist. William Nylander's outscoring Taylor Hall. And he's played in the same amount of games. Same amount of games, yeah. Nylander really was... I think like, Jason Spezza is outscoring Taylor Hall. Jason Spezza, I think, had two goals. Did he have three? I, he, well, let's just uh, take a peek so here on the old the real NHL.com. Should uh, Jason Spezza be the captain? <laughs> um, no. Well, no, no, believe, of course not. I, I'm just I believe, trying to I was think. about to say, I believe the answer you're looking for is no. No, absolutely. Like, it's not... John Tavares's leadership capabilities that made the Leafs lose, right? Like he, yeah. he didn't even get to see the team until game six. Oh, and anybody saying that um, losing John Tavares is what lost Toronto this series. Tampa won a cup without Stamkos. Yeah. I, I would argue that. What do Tampa I have left? Was... What do I have left? I've got 18% left in my blame. Right, yes. I'll say 10% of that would go to the Tavares injury. I, but I don't you think won it's three straight games. Yeah, we did. But if we had Tavares with us, we would have won four straight games. <laughs> I if if Tavares No, at that yes. point, that is not an excuse. No, uh, Tavares. Tavares in the lineup would have been enough to get us four wins out of seven. You had that anyway. You did not win a game with John Tavares in your lineup. You won three without him. Again, if we had him, we would have won four games. I am absolutely sure of it. We should have won without him. We should have won without him. If we had him, we would have won. No, I, I just... Yeah, Keegan, there... you, you can't, like, you look at the centers that we had on the second line. Our second line center for some games was, like, uh, um, Nick Foligno battling an, a mysterious injury that he's had for over a month. Or it was Riley Nash for some reason. 
or like it was just this hodgepodge of guys that had never played on that line before. If we yeah, had, if we had John Tavares, yeah, no, again, we should have won without him. You're absolutely okay. right. We should have won without him. We would have won if he was in the lineup and healthy for the oh. entire series. If that injury didn't happen, we would have won. I don't know. Because again, again, if Montreal was able to shut down Matthews and Marner, but William Nylander was able to do all of that on his own, toss John Tavares out there. And Willie doesn't have that performance. I think Willie still has that performance. Or, no, Spezza or, mentioned that Willie stepped up specifically when Tavares got hurt. Yeah. Willie does not have that performance if JT is in that lineup. I then if he doesn't have that performance, I still think we still we would have won without him. Or or sorry, we would have won with him and we should have won without him. I think considering the display that the other guys on this roster showed in those last three games, that is not true. No, it's absolutely true. I, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely well, true. Well, you also said that the Leafs are absolutely going to beat Montreal and they didn't. Yes, because when I said that they were absolutely going to beat Montreal, that was under the impression that we were going to have a fully healthy lineup for the entire series or for most of it. Whereas so you were our... unrealistic because no one ever has a fully healthy roster for an entire series. That's not how playoffs work. Okay, well, yeah, fully healthy in, like, I guess I'm defining that in my head as all of our key players are playing and they are healthy healthy enough to contribute at, like, reasonably close to what we would expect from them. I don't know. I just, it's the the attitude of the Leafs and I just, I... No, no, Keegan, think about it. They were in, they were over... Or they were around an 80% favorite to win. Or yeah, they were like 88 or something percent favorites to win with like their full regular season lineup. They absolutely would have won that series if John Tavares was healthy for the whole thing. You, you're I, you're trying you're trying to take away from a team that uh, hasn't won a series in over a decade and a half. Yeah. But that, what is there to take away that you guys aren't already taken away from yourselves no i again i don't think that you can give montreal that much of the benefit of the doubt when they started showing up for games in game five when they were down three one they 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 started showing up for games when they had their back against the wall and that is when teams are very dangerous yes but i do think that if john Tavares was dressed for the entire series and he was healthy i think that the leafs would have won Okay, so when the Leafs but had again, their backs against the wall in Game Seven, where was their compete? Why didn't? Why weren't they dangerous? Yes, no, absolutely. And part, that is part why of John Tavares doesn't fucking matter in that regard because no, the rest it abso- of it, it absolutely does matter. Because part of the reason why they weren't dangerous in that game was because they didn't have the offensive push because they were missing one of their best players. Well, you had them all last year, and they were missing. They were missing. Um, their second line center, one of their best three forwards or best four forwards, and they were missing their best defenseman. So it, it's, I think to say that the Leafs would have lost even with John Tavares in this in the whole series, and we'll toss in Jake Muzzin too. If Jake Muzzin 
Um, he lost. He he was missed, injured what, the last two or three games. He missed the last like game and a half ish. Okay. So he got injured in game six. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he missed overtime game six and he missed all of game seven. Ooh. I think the Leafs on paper, sure. You, there is a definite argument to be made, an argument that I have made that they should have won this series. I will concede that on paper that is true. On now, the ice, okay, yeah, before yeah, before, before the, the season but before started. the season the series started. Yes, you, yes, you would have I, said that ooh shit. Sorry. What? Just to uh oh, Okay, who, never mind. Oh, uh, but Buffalo who, who Buffalo won up? the number 1 overall pick. Um so you, whoever they pick is going to be garbage. And right. uh Seattle moved up one spot. So Seattle to is number two. Oh, good for Seattle. Ottawa's picking number 10. Which is like, I think. Uh, I I think that's exactly where they were supposed to be because Anaheim, I think, was last or second last in the league. No, Buffalo was. Buffalo was? Okay. Buffalo was dead last, so they just kept their pick. Yeah. And then Seattle jumped up over Anaheim. But um, Sucks to be Anaheim. No, I just, going back to the the discussion um there's something that happens when toronto is ahead be it in a game or in a series that it just it cripples them how is it that this team that won three games in a row against montreal without john Tavares then lost three games in a row how do you allow a team that is apparently so clearly beneath you to crawl back like that if you were the team that everybody, including myself, said you were before the series started, you would have dis- you would have finished that game off in game five. Yeah, it was they were playing not to lose for the most part. Yes. They they were waiting for the game to come to them, and then they were trying to push back against it when that happened. And that just that's never been their game. They their I, game is controlling play and dictating how how fast. Uh, everything is moving where the puck is going and that that is their style okay so i they they were just letting montreal come at them for the most part um but even still like game seven there was almost no scoring chances either way um just a tight defensive game well yeah because toronto wasn't taking any chances offensively because they didn't want to get burned defensively and it's just like man Guys, like, oh, fuck. You're a yeah. high octane offense team. Use it. Well, they're not even a high octane offensive team, right? Because that that those kinds of teams are high event at both ends of the ice. But the Leafs this year were not that team, despite everybody accusing them of being that. Yeah, you, yeah. I remember you going over the stats. Yeah, I, the, uh, at least yeah. In in comparison to Montreal, especially. But yeah, the Leafs were not a high event team this year. Um, but they sure seem to get burned on a lot of odd man, or not a lot, but <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, most of Montreal's goals in this series, like I haven't looked at the stats, but um, it felt like most of Montreal's goals came off of rushes. Yeah. Two on ones, two on O's, 
um, that kind of stuff. A, a lot of goals off of rushes, a lot of goals directly off of face-offs. That, that's what it felt like to me. I don't necessarily, like I, I, I would have to look at some stats in order to actually confirm that. Um, so yeah, it's maybe it's just that's Montreal style. Maybe, yeah, fuck, I don't know. Because Toronto wasn't getting burned like that in the regular season. Okay, now what would you change? What would you change to this Leafs team to get them over, to get them past the first round? Because I don't know. Last year it was all last, they year, got... last year it was really clear and it yes. was it was easy to point something out because it's like, well, for starters, we've got Cody Cece on the top pair, so let's fire him out to like deep space and, and now... uh, find a competent NHL player to fill that spot. And we did like TJ Brody, wicked signing. Um, the best right side defenseman since uh, Cody Franzen. And fuck, I think we could even go further back than that. <laughs> <laughs> might even be like Brian McCabe. We might uh, have to go that Thomas Caberlet. Didn't Caberlet play his off wing in that pairing? Honestly, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I know they both did on the power play because they, I'm pretty sure Brian McCabe was right handed. So, um, but um, yeah, and there isn't that glaring hole this year because this team was actually good. Um, I, I was thinking about this throughout the day today, like, yeah, like what would I fix? And it's like, well, I don't know. Part of our issue was that we didn't have any like depth scoring in the playoffs. And the third line is kind of a black hole of offense, at least when uh, Zach Hyman isn't on it. It's and a black hole of just events. Nothing happens when that line is on. It's nothing bad, nothing good. I think if we could find another player that can keep up in terms of speed to Mikheyev and Engvall, but can actually finish on two-on-ones, I think something as simple as that could make the Leafs unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> That third line's getting 30 goals. Like, how, how, I know you you didn't watch too many Leafs games this year, right? No. No. I barely I, had time to watch Sens games. Mikheyev and Engvall probably got at least one two-on-one in every single game this season. And they never finished on any of them. Um, we need somebody with some, some finish on that line. You know who it sounds like you could use? Connor Brown. Um, on pace for 30 goals this year. Led sure, the league yeah. in shorthanded goals. He was also on our team for several years, and he was supposed to be that kind of trigger man, and he just couldn't fucking do it. He got 20 goals in his rookie year, and then you guys shoved him in the bottom six. Yes, and that's where he would be in this situation that I'm talking about. And he'd be in the top nine. <laughs> top nine, yeah. Not, Not the, bottom the bottom six. six he'd be the top nine. Top yeah. nine. Um, but yeah, apart from that, like the defense was pretty good. I'm happy with the guys that are on defense. I don't really know what you can do to upgrade it. Um, and, and Sandine and, and might be that upgrade. He very well could be. Sandine could be the upgrade on the power play that I think that is the biggest issue. The biggest issue going into next season is number one. How do how can the Leafs draw more penalties or draw more power plays? How how can they 
make the other team commit more fouls and get called for them. And it's especially that second part. <laughs> because for the last like several years, the Leafs have been the last place team in terms of drawing Draw penalties. penalties. And they, in the past, have had a pretty good power play so if they could draw more then they score more goals and like it's it's frustrating because if you're if you can't draw penalties in the regular season you're absolutely not drawing any of them in the uh in the playoffs and we saw that um like oh man i don't i don't even want to get into playoff officiating because like i i think playoff officiating could get like a very small percentage of the blame for the leafs going out too but i don't want to like I, I to think be that like, guy. Yeah, I don't. There's been enough said about the about officiating in the NHL this season, and particularly in the playoffs. Like, we we haven't done a podcast since the um, the Oilers got swept, but I'm sure by now everybody has heard the stat that Connor McDavid drew zero power or zero penalties in the uh, the first round series against the Jets. Absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous that uh, this league does this. And it's especially more ridiculous because my favorite team is a skilled team that gets dragged down by this kind of officiating um, and lets mediocre teams like the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets advance in the playoffs when they don't deserve to because they don't have the talent to beat better teams. Um, and a perfect example of that is the uh, Corey Perry mugging on... Um, I don't even remember who at this point and it, uh, in game seven. And it was like two minutes before Pierre Engvall got called for his hold where he like grabbed on to Cole Caulfield's arm. It was, it was fucking ridiculous that that penalty was called. And then the second goal was scored immediately after just bullshit. But um, yeah, like the, the Leafs need to sort out their power play. They need to figure out, They, they need to be they need to be more willing to make changes in the season because it seemed like they were looking at the numbers and saying we're still getting lots of chances we just have to wait for them to start going in we don't want to change something and fuck up like the momentum that we're getting um you think that's a key thing or a management thing i think it's a combination because like the the team is very stats focused right and that's sure. an argument a lot of the time it's like look the results aren't here, but we can see in the process that it's working. If we stick to this plan, oh. the results will come. Fuck the process. Win the game. Yeah, but you need the process in order to win the game, right? You can't just like you you can't just go into the dressing room, wipe all of the X's and O's off of the whiteboard, and then say, okay, guys, go win the game. Zero instruction, just go do it. I mean, I guess, but at the same time, like, you do the process for the playoffs, so you win in the playoffs. And clearly, the process they were doing didn't work. And, and for, for, like, more than half of the season, yeah. They, they were... To be fair, the process only works for one team a year. Yes, absolutely, that's true. But it sure as hell doesn't help your team if you're struggling through every single power play you get for like 60% of the season and then the entirety of the playoffs. Also, um, Toronto drew the ninth least amount of penalties this year. Yes. 
tied with uh, the Canucks, Devils, and Blues. Who two of them not playoff teams, and the third one, yeah, you could argue shouldn't have been a playoff probably team. Probably shouldn't have been a playoff team either. Yeah. Uh, teams and, that drew less penalties than the Leafs of note: um, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the New York Islanders. And two of those three teams are not playing anymore, and the other one probably won't be playing for very much longer. And the rest of the teams underneath them didn't get 20 wins. Yeah. Except for Montreal with 24. So again, Montreal didn't draw very many penalties this year. Only four less than Toronto. Okay. So that's kind of surprising just based off of like the kind of style that they have. But um, yeah, it's Colorado Avalanche drew the most penalties. I I think that part of the Leafs offseason plan should be putting a ton of pressure on the league to change how they officiate games. Well, that seems to be something that everybody freaking wants, not just the Leafs. Like the, Le- the Leafs wants- and the Oilers should absolutely be on that. They should be putting like a full court press on the NHL to change the way that games are officiated. Like Connor McDavid draw should be drawing like four or five penalties a game. Absolutely, like he he absolutely should be drawing that many penalties. It is not possible for the Winnipeg Jets to have contained him for four straight games legally without committing a single foul against him. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is impossible. Oilers also best power play percentage in the league. Of course, because they had the two highest scoring players. Like it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah. The part of, and I I think, uh, Oh, geez. (coughs) Excuse me. The uh, part of the Leafs problem, like I said, with the power play was just they didn't seem to be adaptable. They didn't seem to want to change things up or they would change things where it's like, fuck, like Joe Thornton on the first power play unit. That's not helping. <laughs> no, the, not at the, all. The issue wasn't like uh, we don't have a big enough guy standing in front of the net. The issue was teams are preventing us from getting the puck to Matthews in a spot where he can shoot. And he has the most dangerous wrist shot in the league yeah like i i think the biggest issue in terms of a specific player in the playoffs for the leafs it was absolutely mitch martyr because he had no offensive impact whatsoever i think he had four assists yeah you you could have fooled me like christ i think three Uh, of those came in one game probably yeah um i remember correctly In game seven, the Leafs power play was absolutely like impotent. It had nothing behind it. <laughs> um, and then mid power play, just be, just through the cycle of, of the puck and guys moving around on the ice, William Nylander and Mitch Marner just kind of organically switch places. And out of nowhere, the power play has a ton of momentum and looks super dangerous. It's incredible that literally the thing I said months ago, just just switch Marner and Nylander's positions. And boom, you do it. And all of a sudden, William Nylander, who's a shooting threat, is making the defenders respect a shot uh, instead of just trying to take all the passing lanes away. It's incredible what just that little, that single change opened up a ton of ice in that one power play, and the team looked much more dangerous. Um, 
So it, it's just they, they, I think that they, they need to say in some circumstances anyways, like the numbers are saying we should keep doing this, but like, fuck, look at what's happening out on the ice. We can't keep doing this. We need to change something. <laughs> Keep keep the so, same players out there, fine. Keep the same setup or 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 like the same general setup, fine. But like move some of the guys that are out there around and and just fucking fix it, like Christ. Okay, so you are Kyle Dubas heading into this offseason. You take a look at your team, you take a look at what has recently happened. And you take a look at your contracts. So I'm going to read you off some players on expiring contracts. You tell me if they are going to be a Maple Leaf next year. Ready? Yeah. First things first, this is the guy with the highest cap hit or the highest cap hit of players, not goalies. Okay. Riley Nash. Um, No, I think he was just a rental. Um, he barely got in in the playoffs. I don't think that their plan for him really worked out. Okay. Zach Hyman. I sure fucking hope he's a Leaf again. Um, I, I can see him being the kind of guy that takes an incredible hometown discount to stay with the Leafs because... Like a Ryan Ellis kind of, kind of deal? Uh, like... The like I I could imagine we could, or I yeah I imagine in my head like he kind of has the perfect setup to take the biggest hometown discount we have ever seen type thing. So Zach Hyman, his contract that he's on right now that expires on July eighth or whatever it is this year, is two point two five mil. I I could like if we could get him signed for like three million. Whoa! Hey, like I said, he's been on pace for thirty goals the last two seasons. Yes, but here's my argument for him. For it, he's a hometown Toronto guy. His family is incredibly rich. Incredibly rich. Um, when he was growing up, in order to ensure that he had as much ice time as possible, his dad bought every team that he played for (laughs) wait is this true his yeah like i i know that with with minor hockey um you you don't like own teams but yeah he would like go onto the board or he some other teams he would like buy them or he would just make a huge investment in them yes mitch or uh um zach Zach hyman's dad had like an interest in like 90 teams in the gthl or something like that Jesus. Yes. Incre- um, incredibly rich. He and he has a whole bunch of uh, money coming in from off ice stuff too. I okay, could so, see him being more interested in playing games as a Leaf than getting, making money than getting paid what he would on the open market. So Zach Hyman is twenty eight years old. I five years. If we could do it for four, I'm psyched. Five might four be years, a little five might be a little years, bit long for the kind of game he plays, yeah. So you're offering Zach Hyman four years, three mil. 
you know what, if we can do it, if, if, if we lock it in at three mil, I'm happy to go eight years at three. <laughs> like, it, you know what, if in year like six, seven and eight, he's like uh, the corpse of Zach Hyman, like uh, just staggering around the ice, searching for brains or something. Yeah. Whatever. I, I'm happy to have him out there at $3 million when the cap is over a hundred million. Because if Zach Hyman hits open market, I see him getting a Nathan Horton contract. What, like five and a bit? It was five and a half, I believe. Yeah, it was like five, six, two, five or something for six years or seven years. Yeah, kind of, kind of similar. Yeah. And I, I think it would, I don't know. He's shown a lot of improvement over the last few years, but I don't like, you're not going to get more improvement out of him i think that this zach hyman now is the <laughs> best is that he's going to get yeah and it's well, someone you can put on your front top you, line he's absolutely your best player you, you can put him line. on your first line or you can have him as the best player in your bottom six yeah or then honestly in most games the best player in either team's bottom six on the ice yeah um i i hope that we can keep him I hope that we can keep him for like a, a cheap deal. Cause if he saw, if he, if we sign him for like 5 million, then we're playing um, with like 10 forwards every night. So Freddie Anderson is coming off. Oh shit. That's right. That's five mil. That's 5 million gone. It, can we just say, okay, two and a half of that's going to Zach Hyman. And bump him or up to like, that? to like five, even. No, no. What if like you take two mil out of that and give it to Zach Hyman? So Zach Hyman will be making like four point two or four and a bit. Okay. Not ideal, but it's still a discount if you compare it to what he would get on the market. It yeah, it's still a discount, but still it's I, I it's four still a discount, even. but I just don't think that they can do it. If they give if they give him like four and a bit, then they can't upgrade anywhere else. <laughs> Like would we're we're not you upgrade I, by keep okay, but we still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players. Yeah, exactly. That are, also, that are but all how how many box. of those guys are making like two million dollars or more? Uh every single one of them is making a million and a half or less. Yeah. But that's seven mil. Yeah. Like with, with Wayne Simmons. Or he's next on the list. N- next on the list. Okay, cool. We'll just kind of move into that then. I I liked him enough this year that I wouldn't hate him coming back. Not at would, a mil and a half. Not at a mil and a half. It would have to be like at max a million. No, like mm-hmm. scratch or uh, scrap that no movement clause. Get that out of there. No trade clause. I thought it was a full no move. Uh, it's cap cap friendly has an NTC no trade okay. clause. I'm fine with a no trade clause. Fine, but as long as we can put him on waivers and move him to the AHL for a day to save some cap space, that's what I need. Sure, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but also, if we have Wayne Simmons next year, I think he showed this season he can't be an every night player, and that no. I think that is part of the issue, is that especially the fourth line was full of like, there was a lot of guys that we had playing every night that just couldn't do it. And Wayne Simmons was one of them. He just wasn't effective enough to be in the lineup every, every game. What about Nick Foligno? 
He's next on the list. Um, I I'd, be, I'd be okay if they brought him back. I don't think he is going to. I think he's probably going back to Columbus. I don't think that's he's what too, I was going to say. I don't think he's too concerned about like winning, winning a cup, cup anytime soon. I think he like. I kind of think that this was his season where he's like, all right, I'm going to go for it because it, it, you know, it's the Leafs and it's an incredible opportunity. I'm going to push hard for it. And then now that it didn't happen, I think he's just going to be like, I'm comfortable in Columbus. His family likes it there to the, like to the point where they didn't leave Columbus to come to Toronto with him. Yeah. So yeah, I think he just goes back there or he signs with another American team. That's kind of close by there. Yeah. I think Columbus will bring him back. I think he'll play a couple more years and then go into the front office there. Yeah. Um, next Alex Galchenyuk. Um, he, he, uh, his cap hit was 1.05. If he signs the exact same contract again, I'm fine. The guy who could be either a healthy scratch or your second line left winger. Yeah. And you know what, with a full season and a full training camp, plus a, a full off season working with the Leafs development staff, um, I think he could, I think he could be um, more than like a uh, like a middle six guy that gets healthy scratched every like four games. I think he could be closer to an every night player with the Leafs in the top six, or at, at the very least being like a, a third line guy that can pop up onto the second line when need be. Yeah, I wouldn't hate bringing him back, but if there's a, a better, if, if, yeah, if there's a better option out there for the same price, like absolutely go for it. That's I fair. just don't at this time. I don't know who that would be. Tyler Ennis. No, uh, I think Tyler Ennis's time has come and gone. <laughs> He's yeah, I guess. Uh this is probably a no-brainer. Jason Spezza. Oh, absolutely, bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, I think he wants to come back as well. Yeah, I I, I don't think there's much to say. Again, I don't know if I've said it on since we started recording, but um, I have essentially consumed zero Leafs media or content since the uh, Montreal empty net goal. I didn't see the Leafs goal in game seven. I still haven't seen it. Um, I Who didn't scored it. It was Nylander from well, Spezza. And Matthews. Sure. Yeah. I'm, um, I didn't know that until now, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, but yeah, with, with Jason Spezza, just bring him back until he's, until he's done. Like that should just be it. Put if him he's, in the front if, office. If he's willing to come back for $700,000 every season, like, yeah, absolutely. No brainer. Easy, like easiest decision of the off season. They should he's, do it. They should do it today. It's that much yeah. of a no brainer. Um, and then, yeah, when he's done playing, he absolutely should have a job with the Leafs in the front office for life. No, I agree there. Uh, Joe Thornton. Man, I wish Joe Thornton was like 32 years old instead of 47. 41. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I love the fact that he played a season for the Leafs. Love it. It's so cool that Joe Thornton is a Toronto Maple Leaf alumni, but um, he can't keep up. He can't skate. Like 
he he was pretty good below the goal line in the offensive zone, but he's fucking got to get there first, and he just couldn't <laughs> do it. So so yeah, like if he comes back and you can talk him into another like league minimum deal and just say like you're probably not going to play every night you're probably like you might get 40 games this season if you can if you can convince him to do that and it's like you're you may get to 40 games you probably won't start in the playoffs Mm -hmm. i will play you in one game so you can have your name on the cup yeah like absolutely like yes if if that's the deal then fine but if it's a, if he wants anything more than that then it's like ugh, sorry man I, we can't do it all right cuz cuz like i i think that he does have some um intangible value off of the ice and i think it's good to have him around for that but you just can't play him like they did this season it's, it's too much. It's just not an option. All right. Uh, moving on to the defenseman now. Uh, Zach Bogosian. He was great. Like when we I saw did not him, hear much bad things about Zach Bogosian during the season and playoffs. The first like five or ten games of the season, Leafs fans were trying really hard to hate him. But and then, after a while, we were just like, he's doing fine. Like Christ, is, <laughs> I'm trying so hard to fucking hate this guy, but he like I can't. He's doing he's doing pretty well. Um, like he he did have a rough start. He did have a rough few first games of the season, but after that, it's like shit. Like, what are we gonna complain about? He's he's a perfectly fine sixth defenseman. Yeah, a great bottom pairing right side defenseman. Good yeah. for Sandine, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm absolutely happy with Bogosian. I, I would be fine to bring him back again. I don't know how many free agents there are going to be out there that are an upgrade on him for, like, the price that we need to pay. I was about to say, well, I mean, Ducky Hamilton, but he's a little yeah, out of your price fuck. range. Yeah. If, we, if we're getting Ducky Hamilton, then, like, we're getting rid of Justin Hall. And as much as that would kind of suck, like, I'd, I wouldn't feel bad about it for very long. <laughs> if your top four was Muzzin, Riley, Brody... Hamilton. Hamilton, like shit, Christ. <laughs> All right, so you would bring Zach Bogosian back. He's making yeah. one. He made one mil this year. Again, if we sign him to the exact same contract, one year, one million dollars, I'm totally fine with that. All right, uh, Ben Hutton. Uh, no, he didn't Fuck do him. anything. He didn't look very good when in like the five minutes he played. Um, he scored a goal against Freddie Anderson in the last game of the season. I don't bounced off his that. butt. Yeah. It bounced off his butt and went in. He was yeah, battling. I, I just remember him. Front. I just remember him being out on the ice and looking like he had never played the sport before. <laughs> he, he'd get the puck and he'd look around like, uh, uh, which team am I on? <laughs> yeah. So thanks for your thanks for your contribution. You can go test the market. Yeah, like it, it was it was a good good thought, good effort at the trade deadline. Like, yeah, absolutely it was it was good to get some depth on defense, but um, yeah. See you later, Ben Hutton. Hope you enjoyed your time as a Leaf. Uh, this one's kind of interesting because he's an RFA uh, and the only RFA you have this year, Travis Dermott. I think there's a 50-50 chance that he gets taken by Seattle. 
Oh, I was going like to say a, a, he's a moot point almost. It, it's basically between him and Kerfoot. And if you asked me two weeks ago who I'd prefer to lose, I would have said Kerfoot. And now I'm going to say Dermot. Sandine has taken Dermot's spot on that last pair. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, Sandine has more offensive upside while still being like pretty responsible on the defensive end. Um, the, he did have a few pretty brutal giveaways in the in the playoffs and i think he he missed a couple games for one of them <laughs> yeah that was well he because he had a couple in a single game right yeah i think i can't remember which game that was i think that was game five that was when things started to unravel and yeah uh, it was the first loss yeah because he was uh, he gave the, the puck away for a couple of the goal the montreal goals and then he just didn't see the ice again for the rest of the game um but uh yeah like Alex Kerfoot in the playoffs this year is the Alex Kerfoot that we were kind of sold when um, the trade was made. And that was, that was the best he's played as a leaf. So I'm, I'm fine to keep him just as long as he's a winger and not a center. Okay. The, the, uh, the, he also has how many more years? Um, well, we, re- oh, we signed him years. to an extension as soon as we traded for him. Yeah, so he has two more years of three and a half million dollars. Yeah, which is pretty reasonable, reasonable for a now that that may make him more, um, more intriguing to Seattle because he's signed, whereas Travis Dermott control. Isn't. Yeah, um, Marty Marinson. Uh, like, fuck him. He, he no, he literally doesn't matter. Yeah. I know. I, I was just going to skip over him, but I just wanted to say his name and see your reaction. Yeah, it's, He takes up less than 1% of the Leafs cap. Yeah, it's... Um, I, I think they probably will re-sign him because they keep doing it. Uh, he's a great guy and he knows the system, Jordan. Well, also, he's an AHL cheat code. Somehow. Yeah. Um. All right, let's not spend too much time on him. Uh, you got two left. Uh, Dave Riddick. Um, no. Gone. Yeah, I there's there's got to be better goalies out there that can uh, split the net with Campbell. What about Freddie Anderson? Exact same thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, as as much as I liked Freddie for m- most of his tenure with the Leafs, um, Campbell's better. Campbell's better. He's a fifth of the cost. <laughs> Yeah, Campbell has a cap of 1.65 for next year, and then you need to re-sign him. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm after the season, and like this is the first time in a while that the Leafs' goaltending was like a non-issue in the playoffs. He he, like Campbell led in a couple of soft goals, but we weren't expecting him to be Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, Fair. We were just like, we just need you to like hold down the fort for the most part. And he did like, he played really well. He um, kept the Leafs in some of the games early on when they really needed it. And just Freddie's never been able to do that. Like uh, I think it was, I think it was, it was game five or six where Montreal was pressing really hard or it, it may have been game four, actually Montreal pressed really hard in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And Campbell kept them in and after that, the Leafs just took over and won. I believe it was game four. Um, whereas in, in the past, if Freddie Anderson faced 10 shots in the first five minutes of a game, there would have been three goals. Yeah. Game over. And the first shot would have gone in. Yeah. 
So he was turning into Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, but I, I imagine Freddie Anderson's probably going to go somewhere, sign like a one-year contract for two and a half or three million dollars, and either resurrect his career and pull like a Robin Len or yeah, Robin Leonard type thing where he he's nominated for the Vesna a year from now, or he's going to be on the downward slope out of the league. Yeah, I am just checking to see. So here are the top goalie free agents by current cap hit. Ready? Okay. Tuka Rask. Pro- like, absolutely, it's not happening. <laughs> no. Uh, Pekka Rene. Uh, probably retiring. Probably. Uh, Freddie Anderson. Devin Dubnik is making $4.3 million? Yeah, what? absolutely not. Um. Anti Ranta. No. No? No, he's way too injury prone. Okay. And James like will... sorry, yeah, but yeah, anti Ranta, like we're looking at a situation where we're having a tandem set up next year. And if we've got a guy that can't string three straight games together without getting hurt for a month, that's gonna be a problem in that situation. Cause I don't want to have to go like six or seven weeks with Jack Campbell and Michael Hutchinson as the uh, tandem. So, yeah. That's fair. What about James Reimer? Return to Toronto. He's 33. They would have to make a new award for the nicest, um, like, goalie tandem in the league or something like that. Because <laughs> Jack holy Campbell shit, and yeah. James Reimer. Just, just like, just the good guy award. And then it would be like... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Like, I know that this is the first year we're giving out the good guy award, but we've got to split this thing in half because James Reimer and Jack Campbell both won it somehow. Like, holy shit. And you know what? They both would try to give their half to the other person. They would, yeah. <laughs> they, they would absolutely be like, hey, man, you deserve this. You take my half. He's like, oh, you know what, Jack? You deserve it. You take my half. So, yeah, <laughs> then they'll just be sitting at home with half a trophy on their stands. And it's like, why does your trophy say, Hey Jack, why does your trophy say James Reimer on it? <laughs> Don't worry about it. He's a good dude. <laughs> I can see that he won a trophy for it. And he won half a trophy for it. Christ. But why do you have it? Why do you have half of it or his half trophy? He's got my <laughs> other half. <laughs> but could you honestly see a return to Toronto for James Reimer? I would not he- hate it. Um, I also don't think it would work all that well because he didn't, he had a stretch with the Hurricanes this year where he was really good and then it really started to uh, peter off. 22 games played, 15 wins. Yes. On the top three team in the league. Yes. A lot of those. 906 save percentage. Yeah, exactly. A lot of those wins came early on in the season when uh, Mrazic wasn't, or when Mrazic was injured and they weren't giving the net to Nadelkovic net yet. All right. Uh, the next one is a definite no. Philip Grubauer. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. He's he's been he's been, and he uh, might really win the Vesna this year. He was nominated. He's a finalist for it. Really? Like I don't know. Like may, maybe I'm just not watching enough Philip Grubauer, but I I just don't think of him as being like a high end goalie. I think he's totally fine. Uh, he played 40 games this year and had single digit losses. Well, yeah, he's playing behind the fucking Colorado Avalanche. He got a 923 and a 1.95 goals against average. 
Like, okay. Colorado is a great team. But it, yeah, it, it's hard to argue against a 923 race. save percentage. Um, but still, like, I don't think Jack Campbell was all that far behind that. I think he was like a 919 or something. I couldn't tell you that. I don't have Campbell's stats right in front of me. Um, but then there's like, like there are a lot of decent goalies. Like here, instead of analyzing everyone, let me just give you a list here. After Grubauer, there's Mrazek. Jonathan Bernier had a 914 on the Red Wings. Uh, um, Jack Campbell was a 921 this season. Yeah, so Cam- yeah, there you go. Cam- Campbell and Grubauer, match made in heaven. But, but, um, but again, would you say that Jack Campbell is an elite Vesna quality goalie? No, because he didn't play 40 games. <sighs> yeah, but Grubauer had to play 40 games because their backup was... Um... Shit, I don't even know who their backup was until they got Francis? Devin Dubnik. No, Francis was injured all season. They had somebody else, and he was oh, terrible. And then oh. they were like, we need to upgrade on this terrible goalie. Get me the worst goalie in the league this season. <laughs> yeah, Dubnik with his 895 save percentage. But yeah, like just some of these other goalies, like Dave Riddick, eh, man, you already have him. You're probably not going to keep him. Carter Hutton, Linus no. Allmark. Uh, he's not going anywhere. I think everybody in Buffalo might be going somewhere. Um, He's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. Making $2.6 million. He has a 917 on the worst team in the league playing 19 games or 20 games for them. He's gone. If someone, unless they give him $5 million, he is gone. Uh, And I'll say, I think that just based off of this, here's my bold prediction for the summer. Um, some team is going to sign Linus Allmark to the worst contract of the offseason, and it won't be the Leafs because they can't afford to do that. <laughs> well, they have $5 million of Freddie money coming off the books. Maybe they could just be like, here. Yeah, but we've already allocated almost half of that to Zach Hyman, and yeah, we can't even really someone... afford to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, Yaroslav Halak, um, Elias Sorokin doesn't count. UC Saros is UC Saros is still an RF. UC Saros is only 26. Yeah, he's pretty young. What the hell? He had a 927 in 36 games for the Preds. What the fuck? Okay, well, I've been under- keep in mind that they won like 12 straight games towards the end of the season. And oh, that's padded a little bit. Well, it's padded because he literally dragged them through that entire stretch, and then he's the only reason why they forced seven games against Carolina. Yeah. Man, he's... He's going to be an excellent goalie. He is an excellent goalie, For several years to come. Yeah. Uh, Lundqvist, I hope he's healthy. Um, Mike Smith, you want Mike Smith? I think Edmonton already said that they're going to look to re-sign him. Yeah, they did say that. Yeah, if I'm Connor McDavid and they say we're going to re-sign Mike Smith, I'm going to be like, then you're trading me. <laughs> uh, the only other one here. I don't here, want to play in front of this senior citizen, Christ. The only other one here of note. Um, oh, who the hell is Andon Hill? Oh, Aiden Hill. He's uh, on Phoenix, Arizona. Or yeah, I guess that's their team name. <laughs> yeah. He had a 9-13 in 19 games. Good for him. But no, I just the yeah, only... He had to play 19 games because Darcy Kemper and Andy Ranta kept getting injured. And he did well. Yeah. Uh, but the only other RFA or UFA of note here is um, Chris Drieger, Florida. I'd be okay with that. 
I don't think the Leafs are going to get him. I just it, just because he's had he's strung two good seasons in a row, and I think he's going to be looking for his payday. And the Leafs aren't going to be the team to be giving out a payday this off season. Okay, that's valid because I don't think he's staying in Florida. No, like, there's no reason for him to. Like they, there's no spot for him, right? It's like, well, he was their best goalie this season, but he's not getting paid ten million dollars for the next hundred years. So, and he's not Spencer Knight, and he's not Spencer Knight. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Like you had a great season, but uh, see go you get later. paid. Yeah, go get paid by. Ooh, geez, who could use San Jose? Uh, no, Edmonton. Edmonton backs up the truck for him. Uh, no, they're backing up the truck for uh, Mike Smith. We already said that. And they yeah. already have $4 no, million. No, they, they re-signed Mike Smith for another like $1.5 million for a season. And then they bring in Chris Drieger for like four years at three and a half or four. Yeah, but they can't do that because they have Mike Koskinen for four mil. They buy him out. Yeah, I don't think they're doing that. I think that's the, what they should do. I don't think that's what they're going to do. Um. But you know they get a lot of caps. Miko Koskinen is number two on uh, Cap Friendly's buyout calculator. <laughs> <He's> the <their laughs> se- second most popular buyout here. Who's the first? Louis Erickson? Uh, no, it was another Oiler. Oh, no! Oh, who would that be? James Neal. James Neal. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. Man, like. <laughs> I love how our conversation about the Leafs collapse turned into, all right, what goalie is Edmonton getting? Like, where is this buyout calculator? I <laughs> looking at the Leafs, I don't know what I don't know what to do or what can they can do. Like, are they going to um, make some trades this offseason? If they're going to trade, what are they going to trade for? I mean, they could get their draft picks back. They only have six picks for the next two drafts combined. That's not good. But why would you be trading for futures when you're trying to win now? I Like, do you see a scenario where, like, Nick Robertson gets traded? Um, do you see him as the cheap guy who they plug into their NHL roster if he earns a spot? I, I could see him being, like, the entry-level player that they bring up, kind of like Cole Caulfield was for Montreal. Yeah. Um, I, just, I don't think he's ready though. He, at least as of today, I don't think he's ready for a regular NHL minutes. We'll see what happens in training camp. Yeah. That's fair. Cause like that might be a guy that could be a good middle six. Like I'm trying to think, let's go back to the Leafs for a second here on the good old fashioned cat friendly. And, and yeah, so I just, I pulled up Miko Koskinen's buyout. It would be one and a half million dollars for next season and the one after. Oh, he only has one year left? Pardon. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that buy, is a lot more doable out, than I thought. Buy him out, sign Drieger for like four years, have Mike Smith as your backup. Like, oh, you know what You know what I just realized? What's that? Riley Nash's salary and cap hit is going to Zach Hyman. Because it's 2.75 mil. But, but, it, but the Leafs didn't pay all of that. No, but actual money isn't the issue it's cap hits for the yes Leafs. but e- even that the leafs didn't have his whole cap hit because i thought that they laundered oh no they didn't launder no, him, felinos right? they yeah. laundered felinos felinos but, only um, have 1.375 riley nash, riley nash never counted against the leafs cap because of ir yeah he played he played during the season 
Did he play the last game of the season? He, I'm 90% sure he did. I know Anderson did, but I didn't think that we could have had like two out of Felino, Nash, and Anderson play. I thought well, we Foligno, could only have one. Felino didn't play. No, Felino was hurt. Felino didn't play once he got injured. Mm. But um, I didn't think that we could have two out of those three guys play. Okay, what's Toronto's current cap hit here? I'm sure this is thrilling podcast listening. Well, and you know what? We're at an hour and 20 minutes here. So let, let's just, um, what would you say the Leafs' number one priority should be this offseason? Uh, getting a sports psychiatrist or psychologist. <laughs> I'm sure that they are. I'm not those. even, yeah. I am not even kidding. Yeah. There is something wrong between the ears with this team and they need to figure out what it is. Um, that is their issue. It's not the guys, it's not the players, it's their, the players' heads. Yeah. And I like from from what from else the, do you do? Yeah, from the minimal amount. Like I I know they're I don't think that they should ta- uh, touch the anything. They like they shouldn't touch any of the big four. No, and I I don't think that they should do anything on defense in terms of moving guys out or trying to replace any of the guys that they have. It'll be interesting at the end of next year to see what the conversation around Morgan Riley is going to be. Yes, and actually, you know what? I because I was dumping a lot of shit on Morgan Riley towards the end of the season. He had an awesome um, series. He played really well. Um, yeah, I I didn't watch again. Ex- I, I barely watched it. Except for the playoff, except for the uh, the power play stuff. Sorry. Um, yeah, like he he was he was solid. He was pretty good. He was jumping up in the play, creating offense. The power play was still an issue. But um, I can't. You can't really blame that on him when it was going for the whole season and it was everybody. <laughs> That's valid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Morgan Riley did really well, and I am no longer on the get rid of Morgan Riley bandwagon. I've for uh, now. I've, I've left that wagon. Yeah. For now, you're you're I, running beside am, it. You're not in it. And I am desperately trying to catch up to the trade Mitch Marner bandwagon so I can set it on fire. Oh, okay. I was about <laughs> to be like, wait, what? Jordan Marner for Eichel. Let's go. Yeah, no, no. Move Tavares to the wing. Have a second line of Nylander, Tavares, and Eichel. Yeah, but then who plays on the wing on our first line? Uh, Hyman and uh, Robertson. I have two triggermen. There you go. Yeah. No, yeah, but then we don't have a playmaker to set them up. We've got a guy to go dig in the corners, and we have two guys hanging out at the hash marks with their sticks in the air, waiting for a one timer. Oh, Matthews and could no, be a nobody setup, to man. pass to them. <laughs> Yeah, Matthews could be a setup man. That guy with the best wrist shot in the league, get him to pass. Yeah, let's take the uh, the Rocket Richard winner and turn him into a playmaker. You're right, Keegan. Well, then he'll be an Art Ross winner. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, but um, yeah, if I shit like if I had to pick something, like what do the Leafs do this off season? Get a sports psychiatrist, psychologist. Uh, again, I'm sure that they've got all of the sports psychologists <laughs> well then teach more because clearly the ones you have aren't enough i yeah i think that for the most part they just need to keep rolling this core out um i think that leafs fans might need to accept that this team is not the blackhawks and they might be the capitals and they might exactly that's exactly it we might be the capitals we may not go and win three cups in six years we may just get one and that's it. Maybe. But 
Like if we're incredibly lucky, we might just get one cup like the Capitals and it could be in like six years. Yeah, I think Ovi, Ovi didn't win his first cup till he was in his 30s. Um, yeah, like he, he was drafted 2004 and they won in 2019. Eight, so he, he was 30, 18, 18. 2018. Okay. He was uh, 32. Thir- 32. Roughly. And how old are you? 23. Same so Austin, as Austin Matthews, Matthews is 23. Yeah. Austin so Matthews is one month older than me. We may have to wait nine years, folks. <laughs> yep. And in that time, Ottawa will have five straight cups. Like uh, Eugene Melnick said. <laughs> um, so yeah like, like yeah my my thing for the Leafs this summer is fucking figure the power play out start small yeah it, it's mine is basically find a way to play a style that draws more penalties even if it means taking more penalties um playing the system yeah just because Statistics show in the NHL, if you take more penalties, you get more power plays. <laughs> that was the entire reason why Tampa got Barkley Goudreau. And um, Pat Maroon and yep. that other guy. Or is it just those two? Yanni Gord? Or is Yanni Gord like a Hyman player? I have no I, idea. I think Yanni Gord's like a Hyman type player. Not yeah, a dirty like, guy, just a yeah, hard just, worker. Just make sure that the penalty kill is solid. Maybe don't have Marner on the penalty kill. Like was, there, the, was there PK even bad this year? Um, it wasn't great. Like, especially it was very obvious that it wasn't great when the power play wasn't doing anything. Mm, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. But uh, we're going really long here. So I, I don't even know if I've answered my own question. What's like the one thing that the Leafs should do this season? Um, uh, you said figure out the power play. Yeah. Like just shore up the special teams, whether that means bringing in some like some PK Oh fuck! I don't really want any penalty kill specialists though, because they don't do anything. But just, just. I bet guys. you're really missing Connor Brown right now. Not really. <laughs> the, Ottawa again, had a better penalty kill than Toronto because of Connor Brown. I don't know if it was because of Connor Brown or if it was other reasons. Like it's hard to like in in hockey, it's hard to attribute something like that to one specific player. It's all Connor Brown. <laughs> Um, so yeah, fix the special teams, particularly the power play, get some fourth line guys that can actually skate and like, don't do anything stupid. And from like the limited stuff I heard from Shanahan today, they have no plans to blow it up. any of the big four guys. Yeah. They're just, they're very much like, no, we're coming back with essentially the same group next year. And we're going to keep doing that until we win. Ah, so they're insane. That is Einstein's definition of insanity. Well, no, not necessarily because they can have the same players, but then they can do different things with those players. Well, they can have the same core. Yes. Well, right. Like we're, it's not like Alex Elchenyuk has a job with us for life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's definitely not that when he's saying we're not going to be moving anybody that they're absolutely talking about Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Riley, Brody, Muzzin. Yeah. Campbell now I think Campbell's part of the core but um yeah Campbell's yeah I think uh that's it for this week don't really know when our next pod will be because neither of our teams are playing now and you know what I've not paid attention to any hockey for 48 hours and I feel pretty good so I might continue to do that (laughs) 
honestly i've been doing the same so we might we may take a bit of a hiatus we have not talked about that yeah we haven't we're just discussing it for the first time here um so, so yeah who knows and may, maybe if we're not talking hockey we'll talk other stuff or we'll pop in when there's something big to discuss with our teams but for the most part like i don't really want to think about the leafs for a few weeks now i, I can understand that yeah so if uh if we go mia on you sorry everybody but uh that's just off-season life <laughs> yeah really So uh, until next time, whenever that is, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at LittleHockeyPod. You can follow me, Jordan, at JSmall1771. And you can follow Keegan at LIL underscore Little28. And uh, please make sure you rate and review the show. Um, Yeah. So again, until next time, we'll catch you later, everybody. Ottawa will win a cup before Toronto. Bye. Fuck, I'm cutting that out.